This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. All right, I love that song. I just wanted to hear it. Normally we just play a little bit, but that's uh, Jeff Eden from Studio 8 who provided that uh, wonderful theme song. Uh, thank you for that, Jeff. I get a lot of great feedback. Hey, welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and warm yourself by the fire. You are among friends. This is indeed The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Uh, I have just returned from a, a tour of the uh, Pacific Northwestern United States uh, where I met some of the most fascinating uh, inventors, innovators, and I saw some absolutely incredible devices. It's uh, a part of a new TV project I'm, I'm working on. And um, I, I actually got a, a chance. Now, I have known John Hutchison uh, of the Hutchison Effect for probably close to 15 years, but only over the phone. We've done a number of radio programs uh, on his work. You may recall the Hutchison Effect back in the, uh, the 1980s using extremely uh, high voltages playing around with electricity, he was able to generate, according to uh, some reports, uh, including uh, Colonel John Alexander from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, who confirmed this, uh, John Hutchison was able to create an anti-gravitic effect and other things as well, uh, metals changing their, their nature, uh, almost turning into a gelatin-like uh, uh, material. Anyway, so I, 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 um, I'm, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, I, I arrive in Gold Beach, Oregon, which if you've never been to the Oregon coast, it is absolutely spectacular. Very different from California. You don't have the sandy beaches. It's very almost prehistoric. Of course, you've got the magnificent redwoods. You've got these cliffs, rocky uh, cliffs and, and huge rocks sort of jetting out of the... Uh, they're jutting out of the uh, the sand, out of the um, the ocean, out of the surf, high up into the sky, jagged rocks. It's just spectacular. And um, anyway, we spent the, an evening, actually, at John Hutchison's place. He has this 12,000-square-foot facility, he and his lovely wife, Nancy. 
uh, where John now has lots of room for his equipment, and uh, he has uh, created or built this enormous, well, it's about 25 feet long. It's a ray gun, he calls it. And um, using uh, special frequencies, a combination of different radio frequencies, he is able to, he claims, this is the theory, uh, create this 40-mile protective bubble around Gold Beach in the Oregon coast, which is being uh, hit, slammed, by radiation from Fukushima. And we had the Geiger counters out, and he was showing me uh, that the, uh, the number of rads, I guess, is the, the unit of measurement, one of them anyway, significantly less than, um, than what it's supposed to be. Other readings, if you go online, I guess it's the, uh, the U.S. Atomic Energy uh, Agency or, or the EPA offering sort of daily radiation readings up and down the Oregon coast and uh, the Geiger counter around John Hutchison Place showing less radiation. So uh, anyway, John Hutchison, fascinating guy. It was great to meet him, and I met some other amazing people, including a woman who is making uh, geodesic domes. Uh, in fact, she's very close to uh, gearing up so that they can be created in 24 hours on a 3D printer using a, uh, a magnesium oxide substrate. Imagine they're going to be printing geodesic domes, and these can be used for habitation, uh, greenhouses, a, a number of different things. But she's partnering with... NASA, and her geodesic domes may in fact be used for habitation on Mars. Uh, so Asher Deliverance, uh, who I also met in Oregon, another fascinating uh, woman. All right, that's uh, just a little bit of my, my uh, holiday vacation slideshow for you, <laughs> the radio version. Ian Robertson is here. Great to see you again, Ian. He's on the other side of the glass twisting the knobs and the dials. You were in San Francisco. Uh, I just missed you by a day. You were there like the, the day after I left. So our, cross almost pa our paths almost crossed. Uh, anyway, he's on the other side of the glass, uh, twisting the knobs and dials. Albert Venzel, my trusty story producer, is here running our HOA, Hangout on Air. And uh, once again, if you want to join the live stream, it's real simple. Just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. At Richard Serrett, S as in Simon, Y-R-E-T-T. And while you're there, be sure to follow. That's at Richard Serrett. Go to the top of the feed and click on the tweet containing the HOA link. And you're in. It's as simple as that. Oh, uh, before I forget, I want to welcome, we have a brand new affiliate, W-Y-D-K, 97.9 FM. W-Y-D-K, 97.9 FM. And that is in... Columbus, Georgia, or at least it serves that market. I believe it, 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 it's also in Alabama. Uh, thanks so much, WYDK 97.9 FM, uh, for making The Conspiracy Show part of your radio family. All right, don't forget, get on up to the website, strangeplanet.ca. That's really a landing page, and from there you can go to uh, The Conspiracy, Pro Conspiracy Show. That's the radio program you're listening to. Uh, and there's also a live events page at strangeplanet.ca. And my next live event is fast approaching The Bilderbergs, featuring investigative journalist and best-selling author of The True Story of the Bilderbergs, Daniel Estulin. He'll be flying in from Spain Sunday, April the 17th at the University of Toronto. And you can order tickets online right there on the live events page at strangeplanet.ca. Or you can visit my good friends Patrick and Kadena at Conspiracy Culture. 1344 Bloor Street West, 
You can buy tickets right there in the store or by phone, 416-916-1696, 416-916-1696, or online on their website, conspiracyculture.com. The Bilderberg, Sunday, April 17th at the University of Toronto, J.J.R. McLeod Auditorium. Hope to see you there. All right. I mentioned earlier I I met some incredible inventors in the Pacific Northwestern United States over the last uh, several weeks uh, for this uh, TV project I'm working on. But imagine in the not-so-distant future uh, when someone is able, using nanotechnology, to cure diseases, things like blindness, for example. Well, that day is coming. In fact, it may be fast approaching. Uh, It's also the subject of a brand-new book uh, by my guest tonight on The Conspiracy Show, Maximilian Pereira was born in London, England, educated at Bancroft School, where his love of the written word was inspired by his English teacher. Maximilian studied film at York University here in Toronto, where he currently resides. And uh, he is the author of Second Sight. Maximilian, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Richard. Great to be on. Pleasure to have you. Uh, How did you get uh, involved or interested in uh, in nanotechnology? Um... (laughs) I guess I would say it, it's the widget that is necessary for the book. There were other subjects that I wanted to address within the uh, the book, and that's what I needed to to get the job done without giving anything away, of course. And are you uh, are you a sort of a, an, an amateur scientist? Do you have a, a sort of a technical I, technical understanding of how nanotechnology works? I did some research uh, into nanotechnology, but I, I would say I'm, I'm more of an avid science fiction fan. So. <laughs> Um, I, I try to keep as, as, as vague as possible uh, when I deal with the science because obviously I don't want to have any flaws in the book. But, um, you know, I did research. I believe the first um, series about nanotechnology were in the 50s in, Japan, in uh, the University of Japan or something like that. So uh, we're, we're getting there, clearly, um, as a society right now. But um, I, it, was, it was more or less a widget. Right, right, and, uh, and a great premise to be sure. And you, you, right. you, you mentioned science fiction, and, and as you as you also noted, science is quickly uh, catching up. I was reading recently uh, about how uh, nanotechnology. Uh, I guess the first step is they're looking at creating certain proteins which could reverse uh, cataracts. So, right. and, and there are people. Obviously, that's one of the number one causes of blindness in the world cataracts and uh, so that may be you know the first the first uh, type of blindness that's conquered uh, using nanotechnology was uh, developed or being developed I actually believe they're, oh. they're in, in, in England right now um, they're very very close to actually getting that technology I saw like a little ticker tape like a headline on news now the other day and you know I'm like okay when I started writing this book it, it's a science fiction novel it's not something that I anticipated happening within my lifetime or at least not this soon but, you know, as with me- many other things in our society, technology is really advancing at an exponential rate. Right. Well, let's give people a sense of uh, sort of a thumbnail sketch of what happens in the book. I mean, it is uh, entitled Second – or titled, rather, titled Second Sight. And uh, you have this brilliant young scientist who, as we say, develops the nanotechnology to, re- to cure blindness. Tell us a little bit more. Well, the, the question is, is that we, um, as, as, a, as a human being, we, we see – um, less than 1% of the electromagnetic spectrum, which makes us virtually blind. Um, so the question is, is what if, if you could use technology to enhance the eye, what else would that technology see? We 
are conditioned from children. You know, for example, you, you know, child, you know, Christmas is uh, you have Santa Claus and that's your reality. And then you grow up and, and you're educated at school and then that's your reality. And as you get older, you discover new realities, uh, whether it be through religion or, or science or what have you. So we have a personal bias. We have we have filters in, in the way that we actually look at the world around us. But technology doesn't have that. So it would observe what's out there in the same way that you know an x-ray scanner doesn't say well i can't see that because i'm not supposed to it, it, it's easy because it's programmed to so that's the premise of the book what else would this technology see um without that social bias it's a, it's a great concept it's almost uh, a, a metaphor this this blindness for uh i guess cleansing or opening of the the the, uh, the third eye and the pineal gland Exactly, exactly. And there's also something else. I mean, I, I've, I've had my fair share of experiences with the paranormal and what have you. Um, but one of the, the real catalysts for, for writing this book was um, there's a shelter downtown. And uh, you know, I used to walk down to Cumsey Street. And I'd, on several occasions, I observed this woman just hurling abuse at somebody or something or someone across the road at this, that, this church that I've never seen opened. Now, personally, when I walk past this church, it always gave me the heebie-jeebies. My, my hair was standing in. I didn't like walking past it at night. But I was like, what, what is this woman seeing? And is, is she crazy? Or, or are we perceiving people to be crazy because they actually see things that we can't? And I, and I, I thought maybe, maybe she could see something. I mean, she was very vehement in her, in her attack on whoever she was shouting at across the street, right? So that sort of got me thinking. You know, you start looking at things like... Um, animal ESP, like how is it a dog can go to the front door and wait for its master when the car's, you know, a mile away? Like what, what do they see? What do they know? Um, as a human, the human species is, is, is relatively feeble when it comes to survival on this planet as compared to, our, you know, fellow animals. These guys can see at night and, and, and we can't, right? So all of these things got me thinking about what's actually out there. You know, what happens if people aren't actually mad what happens if they can actually see and hear things that the majority of us who conform to societal norms um, can't see, basically. Maximilian Pereira is here, and uh, the book is Second Sight. Is this your first book, Max? Yes, it is. All right, and it's uh, a fascinating read, and it tells the story of a, uh, a brilliant young scientist who develops the nanotechnology to cure blindness, which is it's kind of a, a, a metaphor. The idea is that Although the human eye is remarkable uh, in its design, we are essentially all stumbling around blind. Uh, what happens when the, the doors of perception are cleansed? What will we truly be able to see, to perceive? We'll come back and discuss further when my conversation with Max Pereira continues right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. The book is Second Sight. It's a work of fiction by Maximilian Pereira, his first novel. And um, the idea here is, uh, you know, what if nanotechnology could radically enhance the function of the human eye? What else would it be able to see? Maximilian, you mentioned uh, before the break that you've had some paranormal uh, encounters that may have perhaps uh, uh, motivated you to write this. Yeah, inspired you to write this book. Can we talk a little bit about about what you saw or what you think you saw? Um, well, one, uh, you know, I grew up um, just on the sort of edge of East London um, in, in what's known as the, the Greenbelt in Epping Forest, near Epping Forest. And, and this place is reputed to be very, very haunted. Anyway, um, I was coming back one night um, from a pub and um, there was a woman standing across the road. Uh, it's just a, a small road, two, two lanes, one each way. And uh, she walked across the road to me and asked me if I knew where there was a hotel. So I said, oh, yeah, you know, there's uh, the, the Roebuck Inn's just down the road. I'm walking that way. Um, I'll show you. So we got walking and talking, and I, I, uh, I said to her, where have you been tonight, thinking she's probably at a bar or something. And uh, just to give you an idea, it's very, very quiet. It's late at night. There's not a car in sight. There's lots of forest around um, with a few houses behind trees and what have you. And uh, we're walking. And I, and I said, you know, where, where have you been tonight? She said, oh, oh, at the Mayfield. And the Mayfield was a what I thought was a, was a high-end abortion clinic. So I didn't ask any more questions. Uh-huh. Anyway, so as we were walking, I sort of realized that I'm walking with a strange woman towards what you can only see as forest. I know that there are roads that go off behind the trees, right. but she's a stranger and she doesn't know. So I said, okay. I said, you see where that phone box is? As soon as you get there, you'll see a sign, and that's where the roadblock is. So I tried to cross the road, and I looked back to point and show her the direction of the road, and she was gone, Mm. absolutely gone. And there was nowhere for her to go. The only place she could have done is jump over some five-foot bushes into the front garden of someone's house, and I would have heard that and seen it. And I looked both ways up and down the street, Right. and then I think I broke the land speed record that (laughs) night and ran back home. (laughs) Right. Um, And funny enough, um, two years ago, a friend of mine was visiting me from London, and he said that a friend of his, had a cab and picked up a woman at the same spot who asked her to go in the general direction towards Loughton or what have you, which is the you know the same direction I was walking in. Right. And she disappeared in oh, the backseat of his car. Oh, I've never, never told my friend this. He told me this, and this happened, well, um, over 20 years ago with me. So um, that, was, that was a shocker for me because here I am walking and talking with someone do I can see the possibility that she was very stealth and hid behind a bush? Possibly. But I know what I felt. I know what I saw. And, and uh, now, looking back, do you remember anything? I mean, at the time, you just thought it was a, a, you know, a, a normal, perfectly normal human being. Uh, but then, in light of what happened, do you recall anything unusual about the way she looked? Her dress, um, her, her skin? I mean, she was... I didn't pay too much attention. Um, she was fairly well dressed. I remember that. Um, you know, wearing heels, um, heels on yeah, that time. And I, 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 there's not nothing that was out of the ordinary at the time. And that's really another thing as well. She's wearing heels. How could she have jumped anywhere? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So 
nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, I, you know, obviously I had a few at the pub, so I was more interested in just getting home. But yeah, that was that was one major event in my life, and there are other, you know, uh, smaller events where you, you can feel presences, you know, um, around you, and uh, you know, the, the hair stand up on your on your arms and on the back of your neck, and you go, okay, what's that? And why do we do that? You know, why do humans have that sort of um, autonomic response? Right. So what's actually there? What can't we see? Right, right. I mean, I've always wondered. I've had one paranormal experience in my life, um, and I won't bore you with it. I've told the story many times on the radio, but it's um, it involved seeing my doppelganger just after my uh, my father was laid to rest. Wow. But that's sort of the, the, the long story short. But um, other than that, I mean, I'm, I'm probably one of the least intuitive people. I've never seen a UFO. I've never I've never seen what I would call a ghost. Right. Uh, and I've always wondered, you know, the people that do, uh, are their brains somehow wired differently? Does it have to do with their pineal gland? Is mine so calcified, you know, that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not able to see these things? What you, do you think you it know is? What? It's, it's interesting. I think, that, um, I think that basically it depends on – your brain. as you get older, your brain becomes hardwired. Right, and so you have to you have to have major shifts in 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 in, in knowledge or consciousness to, to to really look at the world differently. And intellectually, we can obviously do that, but on a, on a sort of spiritual um, feeling level, uh, I think certain experiences can shift you in a certain way to be more open to receiving information. Um, I I I started. I mean, I grew up as a as a, as a Christian. Um, and I wouldn't say a devout Christian. I've been to church a few times. And my parents were Christian, but again, not devout. Um, but when I, I went to, to see the Vatican at 13 years of age, and it, and it just completely rocked me. Um, I, I sort of looked around. I said, you know, these guys can solve world hunger in a heartbeat. There's, there's so much opulence here. And it, and it started making me question what my reality was. And I was lucky a year later, I got to go and see the pyramids and go and see the birthplace of Christ. And that was a hugely informative and eye-opening um, trip for me. So I, I started to look at the world in a different place. And I've always been fascinated with the paranormal. And I can, I can take that back to um, a TV series that used to be on uh, in England on the BBC called uh, Arthur C. Clarke and His World of Strange Powers. And that fascinated me as a kid. So maybe I was just more open to it. And also growing up in... In London, uh, you know, very old society, ghosts uh, ghosts come with the territory, right? So. Right, right, absolutely. Um, in the book, the uh, the scientist who who creates this technology, nanotechnology to cure blindness, uh, mm-hmm. obviously becomes, you know, wrapped up in a lot of um, subterfuge and intrigue and betrayal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, which is another kind of interesting metaphor because. You know the uh, the idea for those who, with eyes to uh, to see, uh, uh, and those who who search for the truth and and see things sort of the way they are, and are, you know uh, the uh, the old emperor has no clothes right. bit, often are targeted uh, for persecution. Is is that sort of the? Am I sort of going in the right direction in terms of the the metaphor that you were working there? Um, the, the protagonists. Um journey is a very personal one and it, I, I try to speak to um the, the the trials and tribulations that that most people have in their lives you know we you know star wars being the obvious you know you choose between the light and the dark side and all that kind of stuff i mean i think joseph campbell said there are only nine human stories right so <clears throat> you don't really stray too much far off of that so um 
what I was trying to do with the protagonist is basically show the journey that most of us face in our lives and the choices that we have and the signs and the signals that are always there. But sometimes we choose to ignore because it's more convenient to live in the paradigm that we've created for ourselves. So you'll find, I think, as, as, as sort of life goes on, that the signs and the signals to put you back on your path get louder and louder if you don't pay attention. And that's the sort of personal journey that I really wanted to explore with this character. Just uh, speaking generally about nanotechnology uh, for mm-hmm. a moment, uh, obviously radical nanotechnology is, is sort of tied up with the whole idea of transhumanism and, and mm-hmm. using technology to extend dramatically extend life, perhaps even uh, a quest for immortality. Do you, how do you feel about the transhumanist movement? Um, do, do, do you see any, are there any red flags there for you? Uh, massive, massive red flags. <laughs> Um, it, it, it's, it's like the, um, you know, the fear a number of years ago, you know, in, in certain conspiracy circles that the, the agenda was to microchip the population, uh, you know, and then it's the, the, the soft tiptoe, you know, like, the, you know, microchip your pets, uh, the military soldiers are getting uh, microchipped and uh, microchip your children so they can't get lost. And, you know, it gets in through the back door, but no one's asking the question, if you can track this, this device, can you not therefore program it? And so I think if, if you start putting it, the human, the human brain is already so susceptible to, to, to marketing and, and, and suggestion. If you put technology on top of that, um, then what's the point of the human experience? Because someone else with nefarious intent could more than likely program that person. All right. So I think there, there are massive um, red flags in, in maintaining Someone, uh, one, one's autonomy um, and, and freedom, um, spiritual freedom, with um, doing that. I mean, I'm, I'm all for, um, you know, say, you know, you replace a hip or something like that, put a metal hip in, or whatever the case may be, and you, you, you help someone in, in, in that way with their health. But um, when you start using this kind of technology, especially as I think as a species, we're not that mature as yet. We're still, we're still killing each other left, right, and center across the planet. So when you start um, introducing these game-changing technologies, there always seems to be the tendency to then use it to subjugate another set of human beings. So I don't think we've evolved enough yet as a species, or grown up enough, I should say, to to start messing around with stuff like that. I've um, had um, occasion to interview a a gentleman, an author by the name of Jim Elvich on the program a number of times, and and this is not his theory, but he has sort of borrowing from other thinkers in this arena the idea that we are living in a digital simulation you know the matrix uh, and he talks about technology um, where you could bypass the optic nerve mm-hmm. uh, and uh, for example I mean you know he uses a sort of John Madden's NFL video game to sort of track the the progress of the technology and it's true if you look at say John Madden's you know, 2016 or whatever. It's yeah. almost impossible to tell the difference now between that video game and reality. And think about where we'll be in five years. Um, yeah, uh, and it's it's frightening. Um, I mean, I've uh, I've seen the, the change in the sort of the, the, the young generation. I mean, everyone's plugged in. You sit on the subway, everyone is plugged in. It's 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 very rare that you see someone reading a book. Um, and it, it's. Uh, you know what happens? I mean, you've got film like films like um, Surrogates and and, um, and obviously The Matrix. Yeah, I mean, what happens if someone does 
<laughs> sit in a cubicle for a few days and, and live in an alternate world. I mean, I've, I've had friends who, um, I, I don't know the names of the video games, but you, know, you, you, you create all of these worlds and you play with people all around the world. And they just sit in their rooms for days playing this alternate reality. And like, the, the reality is right outside your door. What are you doing? You know, each to their own. But yes, it is very frightening. I mean, according to David Icke, um, Ike, um, he, he believes that we, uh, we live in a holographic universe. And this is a holographic simulation that has been programmed. Right. And uh, very likely. <laughs> right. Right. And then imagine that, that they could, they, whoever they are, the designers of this holographic uh, reality, they could bypass our optic nerve. And so what we think we're seeing, what we think we are perceiving, what we think is reality, uh, is all being programmed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there are the, the theories that uh, the planes that crashed into the uh, the Twin Towers were actually holograms, right? And they weren't actually real. And the, and the, and the, the towers blew up from the inside out. Right. I mean, who knows um, where we are really technologically? I mean, there's a guy uh, called Leo Zagami. He claimed to be uh, ex-Illuminati. And he said that the, the, the governments right now, or the Western governments, especially America, they're like a thousand years ahead uh, technologically from what we actually see out there. So who knows? It could be true. I mean, it, it could be that our, our, our reality is being completely manipulated. And, and that's one of the things I want to address in the book is, by who? Uh, because if you look at our society, um, we're sort of spun this tale that we're these half apes that have evolved and are somehow stumbling through evolution, trying to figure it out with an economy and some religion. And, and it, it, the whole story doesn't really make sense. You know, every year new governments get elected, nothing really gets changed and you know poor people stay poor and it's the same as it has been for the, the hindu world. wheel of life right and and and, and it, it seems a bit tiresome for, for a so-called um intelligent species so could it be that we are being deliberately um sort of held in this matrix so to speak uh, and then the question becomes why um you know why what 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 purpose would that serve to have a, a, a sleeping population? And why um, is it that anybody that steps up and says, hey, by the way, I don't, I don't think this is right, and, you know, the, the avatars of the rage you step up and, 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 and try and show us that there's a greater reality, that um, um, there's a better way, these people get killed relatively quickly, right? Exactly. Very quickly. So what do the powers that be fear? And if they fear, then why are we fearing? <laughs> right? Maybe we should just open our eyes and take a look at what's around us. Maximilian Pereira is uh, my guest, and the book is Second Sight, and uh, it addresses a number of interesting issues. A brilliant young scientist who develops the nanotechnology to cure blindness. We'll come back and uh, continue this conversation when The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Poking holes in the darkness. 
The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Just a uh, programming note. Next week, as we uh, head on into Easter, uh, John Kerner, uh, historian John Kerner will be uh, my guest. And here, let me show, I'll hold up the book for those uh, following us on the, uh, the live stream. Hunting the Nazarene, the Second Resurrection of Christ. Very controversial uh, thesis laid out in the book by John uh, that Jesus Christ was, in fact, uh, after his resurrection, he was hunted down, killed a second time, and rose from the dead a second time, and he says this is being suppressed, and he, uh, he points to a mathematical code he uncovered in the Gospel of John uh, to make his case. That's John Kerner, Hunting the Nazarene, the Second Resurrection of Christ, uh, and also our good friend Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, remote viewer, medical intuitive, clairvoyant, will be here, uh, and I want to just quickly point out uh, that for those of you who uh, follow uh, Douglas Cottrell's uh, career and exploits and so forth through this program, uh, the many, his Many Mansion Spiritual Center uh, monthly service, Saturday, April the 2nd, 11, to 4, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., and they'll be holding their miracle healing event in Toronto at the Holiday Inn downtown, Carlton and Young Streets. That's Saturday, April the 2nd, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. in Toronto at the Holiday Inn downtown, Carlton and Young Streets. And to reserve seats, please call the Many Mansion Spiritual Center, 289 289- Three nine six seven six nine nine two eight nine three nine six seven six nine nine, or you can go to a Many Mansion Spiritual Center at gmail dot com. Email them at Many Mansions Spiritual Center at gmail dot com. All right, uh, back to our conversation with Maximilian Pereira. Uh, the book is Second Sight, and. Um, uh, talking about the 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 use of tech, nanotechnology to cure blindness, and uh, this particular scientist uh, who who discovers this cure, um, well, falls into a world of uh, of intrigue and betrayal. I mean, you can imagine uh, the uh, the elites of this world, whoever they are, um, the archons that are controlling this little blue marble, how upset they would be if suddenly uh, we could see things as they truly are. I suppose, uh, uh, you know, short of using nanotechnology, and this is a, you know, a technology that may not be available to, to many or most of us, uh, there's also uh, ayahuasca, which, uh, you know, has, has been proven to open certain doors as well. Have you ever done any research on ayahuasca? Um, I, I, I understand that that was the um, route that started uh, David Icke's journey. Oh, is that right? I, I wasn't aware of that. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> back in the 1980s. I think he he, he had he's going through a, a bad time in his life or something, and he went down to uh, South America and he and he did the ritual, and that that just opened him up um, to, to to his path in life. Um, I also have a friend that has recently um, done it, um, and uh, we we. Talk briefly. I mean, it's 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 a very sacred uh, ritual, so obviously you couldn't discuss too many things. But he um, he uh, sort of played me some music that he's created. It's pretty fantastic. So um, I, I am aware of I am aware of it. Yes, I interviewed uh, a Dr. Charles Groban, 
uh, a Grobe, rather, uh, at the UCLA Medical Center who was using uh, well, it's a synthetic form of, of magic mushrooms or, or psilocybin, mm-hmm. uh, which was being used to ease end-of-life anxiety in, in terminally ill cancer patients. And I, and I even talked to some of the patients. Uh, same sort of thing. I mean, a, a, a profound spiritual um, uh, experience they had while – and it did. It just wiped out all fear of death. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a very, very liberating kind of effect. I mean uh, – are, you, you know, are, um, are you aware of uh, Dr. Michael Newton, Ph.D.? Doctor, I'm sorry, Michael. Michael Michael Newton. Michael Newton. PhD. No, no. He wrote a book called um, Journey of Souls, and uh, I, I found again, you know, with regards to death and, and perception of reality, this was a major consciousness shifter for me. Um, this book, he, he he did past, or he does past life regressions, but he became curious uh, to find out. Um, what happens between lives? He said, okay, you know, if, if someone's reincarnated in the 1800s and comes back in the mid-60s, what happened in the time in between? And he delved into this whole other world and, and, and really sort of looks at what or what who we are as spiritual beings on what we would call the other side. And um, <clears throat> it seems that we have the choice when we come here <laughs> or we choose to come here. It's very much a university or a school, and that's why we come here. So going back to what you were saying about the uh, the guy at UCLA um, using the, the synthetic drugs to ease the, the, the fear, why do we have that fear? Why is there that fear of death? Um, and, and it's instilled in us um, from, from, from birth. Why is why is there constant fear instilled in our in, in every society? It's a wonderfully it's controlling. It's a controlling mechanism for sure. Exactly right. So why? I mean, obviously, no one wants to die in a horrible way, but every account um, that that you, uh, you you read about, you know, past in past life regressions, there's very little pain for the most part. People once they're gonna die, they they pass on. It's, it's relatively quick. Um, and, and loved ones are immediately there to support you, like, you know, unless bad things have happened. But um, so, why the fear? Well, it serves a purpose. Yeah, it certainly does. All right, we'll take a time out. Come back. One more segment remains with Maximilian Pereira, author of Second Sight, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett. And uh, be sure to follow. Uh, Maximilian Pereira is here, Second Sight. Uh, raised in, uh, born and raised in London, England, and uh, educated at Bancroft School. 
uh, and attended uh, film school at York University. Any uh, thoughts uh, of turning Second Sight into a book, Max? Uh, or, sorry, turning the book way. into a film. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, when when uh, when the editor was going through the book, uh, she said to me, she said, uh, it looks like this is designed to be a movie. So she put all the section breaks in to make it a lot easier for, for a treatment. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, there are some discussions, uh, some preliminary discussions that have taken place. So I'm waiting to hear back from some people. But, yeah, that that was the uh, the main aim is to get it either as a television series or uh, or as a movie. Um, I mean, my primary objective with this book is not only to, to entertain, but to, to let people ask questions. Just, you know, do your own research, basically. Ask questions. Say, hey, what if? You know? Um, and then come to your own conclusions. Because I think if, if, we, if we sort of just look at the, the daily news and accept that as our reality, then... Uh, um, consciousness, is, consciousness is not going to shift too quickly. Uh, we were talking about the pineal gland or the third eye, yep. uh, the, the brow chakra. Um, it's said that um, uh, the cannabis, marijuana, can, uh, can activate the uh, help turn on the third eye or the mind's eye, if you will. How much of the prohibition of, of marijuana and, and, and other uh, drugs do you think is, is connected to uh, sort of the elites not wanting us to wake up? Um, probably a lot of it. I mean, a lot of drugs are, are dangerous. But I think with regards to um, marijuana or, you know, using hemp in, in particular, the fact is that you, you can grow it everywhere. So anyone could be a farmer, so to speak. And so that makes it very hard to control the supply and therefore very hard to tax it and make money from it. So I think you know, governments seem to be this uh, intermediary body that protects the elite from us, and 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 you know <laughs> keeps us in our in our rightful place. So um, I can't speak to whether marijuana can do that for the pineal gland, um, but clearly, you know, the, the U.S. military were that were experimenting with LSD in the '60s and and and, and stuff like that. So. They know that this stuff opens up a new doorway for us. So would they want to keep that away from us? Yeah, absolutely. But um, I, th I think a lot of it is down to, uh, with marijuana, I think it's down to the, the, the control of supply and the ability to make money off of it. We were talking earlier about uh, the paranormal, and you, you shared with us one of your paranormal encounters. And uh, I, I have a number of paranormal researchers on the program, people like Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who's a full-time uh, investigator, researcher, written over 60 books, some of the major encyclopedic works on the subject. And she talks to me about, uh, frequently about what she perceives as this, this thinning of the veil between uh, you know, this dimension and, and others. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, and, and, and she's doing this, she's part of this major survey on, on paranormal experiences. And uh, uh, she perceives that there is... Again, this thinning of the veil, more and more people are having paranormal experiences, whether it's seeing UFOs, whether it's seeing ghosts, whether it's remembering past lives. What do you think is happening here? Um, I think that we are coming to the end of uh, the great year, or was it 26,000 years of the great year? We're, we're uh, finishing a massive cycle. Um, you know, the Mayan calendar wasn't the end of time, it was the end of this cycle. 
Um, I, you know, I think was it Plato that talked about the golden age of men when we lived for uh, 900 years and we spoke to the animals. Um, there's also the Book of Enoch that you know Enoch lived for three, four hundred years or something like right, that. So, right. so you know, after Atlantis, it would seem that there was the fall of man. There was some kind of dimensional shift. There was the fall of man, and we, we came down into the third dimension. So, I think what's happening is is a natural. Um, um, progression back into the fifth dimension and you know just like the salmon swim back to their home uh, at the end of every cycle we're trying to get back home which is to a to a, a more loving and higher frequency a higher vibrational state uh, closer to the source or god or whatever you want to call that entity so it, it's quite feasible that the powers that be that have made their home in this third dimension um uh want to stay here and and still be kings of the castle because you know in the fifth dimension things uh move a lot quicker and and there's just love uh, and no fear or hatred so their use would would be uh, scuppered so um i think that's what's happening i hope that's what's happening um and if you if you sort of look back 20 years or so um even this the discussion of any of these subject matters people have thought you were crazy and and and, and out to lunch or you know taking some kind of drug but it's it's coming into uh the general paradigm right now that that what we've been told the nature of reality is is not what it is at all and it's up to people i think to to discover their own reality or their own personal reality and it's their responsibility really as opposed to just being passengers on the planet we're all co-creating this this story and and the question is why and then to what end i think to drive the species back to where it belongs, which is a, a, a more divine existence. Well, if we go back uh, 3,000 years, you know, to the, the time of the, the Old Testament uh, before, the, you know, we were, we were communing with, with angels, uh, exactly. uh, prophets, uh, you know, speaking directly with God, the age of miracles. So do you think we're getting back to that time? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Things can happen in different ways. Yes, technology plays a part in it, but um, you know, there's there's there are healers out there that are that are doing doing miracles right now. I mean, I you know I, I haven't seen a doctor in years, and I don't need to. Like, I go to homeopathic healing. I people that don't even put their hands on me if you you know get hurt playing a soccer game or something, and they heal you. It's, is that a miracle, or is it just using the energy, or someone who understands how to to manipulate that energy field around the body? Um, do we really understand the nature with which we live in, um, within which we live in? Because, you know, we're the only species on the planet that requires clothes. So do we, are we actually native to this planet is, is a question. And, and uh, are, we, are we hostile to this planet? You know, I think we have to look at our place on the planet as well. So, um, and, and, and sort of uh, balance out, so to speak, and, and, and live in more harmony with, with our surroundings and our, and our fellow creatures on the planet. You mentioned a, a paranormal experience. You said that was kind of the major one when you saw this what appeared to be a ghost mm -hmm. uh, walking along uh, in in East London, this forested region of East London. What what uh, you've had others though? Can you share any of those with me? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> there there were there were quite a few sightings uh, at my fraternity house here in Toronto. Um, one time, three of us were sitting in the living room. Um, looking in three different directions and all three of us heard someone walking down the back steps of the house and i turned to look and saw a shadow my friend 
was looking directly at it. So, you know, I won't use the expletive, <laughs> did you see that? And we all ran to where we heard someone walk down the steps and no one was there. I've seen shadows in, in that house. Um, one of, um, I, my, my father died 10 years ago and the night that he died, I could not sleep. And um, when I was finally falling asleep, I felt someone touch my hand and it woke me up. And I got the phone call about 10 minutes later that he died. So, you know, that was one I, I saw um, my grandmother standing at the end of my bed before two weeks before she died. Um, same thing with my grandfather. Um, so I've, I've, I've seen lots of things like that. Um, um, and, and more often it's feelings as well. Um, real uneasiness in certain places. But uh, yeah, there's, there's been a few. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, no, you've had more than your share, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, how about UFOs? Ever see, had, had a sighting? Um, the only thing I'll say is I was uh, I was in East London in a place called Stratford at my, my great-aunt's place, and she lived, I think, about on the 13th floor. So from that vantage point, you could look out um, across northeast London to the hills where Woodford and Buckersfield, where I lived, were. And I saw what looked like, you know, your traditional sort of saucer-shaped vehicle slowly moving across where the hills were. I mean, this is, you know, a good 10, 15 miles away. So it could be anything. It could have been a, 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 balloon, a, a hot air balloon or whatever the case may be. But this is at night time and it was glowing. Um, anyway, my aunt and I observed it for about, I'd say, five, six minutes. And I thought nothing more of it until I read the local newspapers and local people have, have reported seeing a UFO. So I'm like, well, if I'm looking from East London out this way and I thought it was a UFO, if people are looking directly up at it, maybe it's a UFO. But of course, you know, the Royal Air Force said no, 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 it was it was a balloon or, you know, the, the usual military cover-up. Right, exactly. Swamp gas. Yeah, uh, exactly. The I mean, life from a distant lighthouse. Exactly. You know what you my, saw. My, my great aunt, God rest her soul, she was, uh, she was born in 1910 and she said, oh, that does look funny, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. In the, the typical uh, British stoicism. Right. Uh, yes. Oh, isn't that an odd little thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just give us, a, uh, without giving too much away in, in the book, Second Sight, um, Give us a little sense of what what uh, the, these patients that undergo this this nanotechnology treatment and cure their blindness what what some of them see. Wow. Okay. Without giving too much away, um, that's a tough one. Um, I would say that it would challenge uh, your views um, or challenge or confirm your views about uh, religious beliefs. Um, and if you can imagine that, you know, uh, oh, that's a tough one, Richard. <laughs> that's all right. No, well, let's, we'll leave it at that. It'll challenge yeah. your religious beliefs. It will challenge your religious beliefs or confirm them. <laughs> all right. And, um, yeah. So where can people get a, a copy of Second Sight? Uh, you can get it anywhere. You can get it uh, well, here in Canada, obviously, Chapters in Indigo, um, Amazon.com, obviously. Uh, if you go to my website, um, www.maximilianperera.com, um, there are various links that you can go through. Like, so, for example, if you're in England, you can you can buy from Author House UK. In the United States, you can buy from Barnes and Noble. It's available world worldwide. And how, what's the reaction to the book been been like? Uh, really, really positive. All five star reviews so far. Excellent. Let me uh, spell yeah. the website: maximilianperera.com. That's M A X I. 
M-I-L-I-A-N, Maximilian, and then Pereira, P is in Peter, E-R-E-I-R-A, MaximilianPereira.com, and we've uh, connected to your website uh, on our website here at strangeplanet.ca. Max, thanks so much for this. I really enjoyed our conversation. Richard, thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. All right. Second sight, Maximilian Pereira. Okay. Uh, I mentioned the website. Let me give it to you again, strangeplanet.ca. That's your landing page, and from there, so many different places you can go. Of course, you can go to the radio page for this program, The Conspiracy Show. There's the TV show, the TV page, and uh, The Conspiracy Show uh, with Richard Serrett. Season 4, coming soon across Canada on Vision TV. I know you've been very patient. We're just waiting for a... uh, for a date to launch, and uh, we'll have brand new episodes coming your way. And, of course, don't forget the live events page. Check it out. There's always something going on there. Big one coming Sunday, April the 17th. The Bilderbergs. Hope you'll be along for that. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. And, as always, follow the truth. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home. Your long-haul truck, camper, RV, taxi cab, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. I'm Richard Sarrett. Thanks for your fine company. Uh, And welcome again uh, to our new affiliate, WYDK 97.9 FM in Columbus, Georgia, and they also serve uh, Alabama. Uh, thanks of, uh, to you, uh, those of you listening in on our flagship station here in Toronto, Canada. Zoomer Radio, 50,000 watts of peace, love, and truth. Uh, those catching us on the uh, free Zoomer Radio and Conspiracy Show apps, uh, the podcasts, of course. Lots of you listening in on the podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn.com, TalkZone.com. And, of course, as I mentioned, those listening in on our growing list of affiliates. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee welcome. Uh, you are about to, to meet a remarkable man in just a few moments. Uh, Wim Hof is, uh, has been described as a Dutch daredevil. He's commonly nicknamed the Iceman. Uh, for his ability 
remarkable ability to withstand extreme cold. Uh, as I say, he's standing by on the phone. Uh, please visit my website, strangeplanet.ca. Go to the live events page. Just a few weeks left before my next big event, the Bilderbergs featuring Daniel Estulin, uh, Sunday, April the 17th at the University of Toronto. And uh, you can order tickets right there online, live events page, strangeplanet.ca. Or go say hi to my friends Patrick and Kadena at Conspiracy Culture. That's a bookstore, 1344 Bloor Street West in Toronto. Uh, you can order by phone, 416-916-1696, 416-916-1696, uh, or online at conspiracyculture.com. The Bilderbergs, Sunday, April 17th, with Daniel Estillon, University of Toronto, and I hope to see you there. Uh, just a little uh, programming note. Uh, last week, I, um, I hosted Coast to Coast from Las Vegas, their affiliate there, WXNT. Uh, and uh, this Sunday, as it happens, I'm on the road again. I will be I will be um, hosting Coast to Coast on uh, Saturday the 26th from um, it's KIVA. I think it's AM 1600 KIVA in in Albuquerque. I'll be down there in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I I love the desert. Um, I just found out this about myself recently. Just uh, spending some time in Nevada and Arizona and and um, New Mexico, it just it has a very strange allure to me. Um, not that I subscribe to reincarnation, but for, I don't know. Perhaps in another lifetime, maybe I lived. Maybe I was a gold prospector or something. I don't know uh, what it is. But um, uh, anyway, it's it's a remarkable place. Very mystical. All right, uh, let's uh, let's talk to the Iceman, shall we? Uh, shall we? A uh, Wim Hof uh, is capable of something that is viewed as scientifically impossible. Uh, Maria Hopman uh, conducted a cold physiological experiment with Wim as the subject and examined him as he stood in a cylinder filled with seven hundred kilograms of ice cubes. Now, in these conditions, an untrained person would most likely die from hypothermia. Wim, however, has never had that risk. His body temperature remained constant at around 37 degrees Celsius. That's a normal body temperature. Hopman had expected his temperature to drop dangerously, but the results made her consider the possibility that Wim can influence his autonomic nervous system, which regulates, among other things, the heart rate, breathing, and blood circulation. She thinks it's possible that Wim can influence his autonomic nervous system. Many questions still remain, however. How can a man double his metabolism rate without any increase in the heart rate? How is it possible that he can uh, do this without shivering while this would be the normal reaction of a body exposed to extreme cold? Well, science continues to investigate Wim to find the answers to these questions. In the meantime, he joins us now. Wim Hof, welcome and good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm, uh, it's... I'm here in the Netherlands right now and uh, just came back from uh, big travels. And uh, yes, we are uh, in ongoing uh, scientific research because yeah, we found things uh, scientifically stated was uh, not to be, yeah, uh, uh, a human was not capable of doing those things. When but did you now, first discover this, Wim, that you had this ability to withstand extreme cold? Uh, about, uh, um, yeah, it's about 35, uh, 36 uh, years ago. 
And uh, yeah, uh, the way I did it. Yes. How? Is uh, yeah, after a lot of training and many disciplines, uh, I still found. Uh, uh, yeah, I was looking for more, more, better connection within, much deeper. And uh, uh, the, one day I got to uh, to be attracted by cold water. I did not know why, but I felt attraction. So I went in. And from there, I felt a deep sense, a deep connection uh, in my body. And since then, uh, uh, I began to practice uh, every day into cold water. And I changed my breathing exercises or my breathing patterns. And it uh, uh, gave me a deeper control over my uh, physiology. And tell me about this experiment that when you were uh, you were placed in a cylinder filled with 700 kilograms of ice cubes, how long were you standing in, in, in that cylinder for? Yes, uh, that's 80, 80 minutes. 80 minutes, a controlled experiment. They, uh, they, uh, they thought my uh, core body temperature would yeah, drastically uh, decrease. And instead of that, uh, it uh, went up. Uh, another thing, uh, the the blood which they took while I was in the 80 minutes in 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 the ice, they took the blood to uh, the laboratory, uh, uh, to the lab, and exposed it to a bacteria. The bacteria was then put into uh, my blood, uh, which was in a little tube, etc. And then they saw zero reaction of the bacteria on the blood. So the, the bacteria had no chance on my blood, while I was, uh, uh, which was taken while I was in the uh, 80 minutes uh, uh, ice uh, exposure. And how long, I mean, 18, 18 minutes, 1-8, correct? 80. 80. 80. 80. 80. Yes. So nearly an hour and a half, an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, under normal uh, conditions, I mean, how long would, I don't want to say normal person, but a regular person who doesn't have your ability, how long would they be able to sustain, how many minutes before someone else would succumb to hypothermia? Not too many many because uh, the vascular condition of those people, of people, non-trained people, they have a poor uh, vascular condition. And then you are uh, very fast at risk because the, uh, the, the veins do not close as well as they uh, do with a trained person. And then the core uh, body temperature is influenced by the surface cold. And then, uh, yeah, if it only drops three degrees, then you are in severe uh, hypothermia. And that is endangering, endangering the functionality of, of uh, is life endangering the functionality of the body, uh, and uh, that's why say five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, and uh, but uh, if you learn to control it, then you are able to maintain core body temperature. Thus, you are able to stay in for say one hour or two hours maybe three hours, I don't know uh, exactly. It was 80 minutes then. My world record is almost two hours. So, um, yeah, that, that it is. 
You have something. That's is the it difference. Tw- how many records have you said? Is it twenty six or is it more? Twenty six records in the Guinness oh, Book of World 26, Records. Twenty six. Yes. Twenty six. Twenty six uh, uh, world records in all kinds of disciplines, like uh, running a marathon beyond the polar circle in the shorts and swimming underneath the ice. Uh, beyond, uh, uh, yes, in Lapland, um, or hanging by one finger in the air, or standing in the ice, and yeah, things like that. Different disciplines. You sound like a super soldier. I sound like, but no, I I think everybody is able to do the same as I do. Only uh, you have to learn to adapt to these natural uh, elements. And so it is with any of these disciplines. Uh, we think, uh, you know, when people do seemingly impossible feats, we think of it out uh, as being a superhuman, as extraordinary, as uh, uh, beyond uh, the normal uh, possible physio- physiological capabilities of a human. But I say, no, no, no. Learn to adapt little by little and, uh, in the in natural elements, and you become a whole lot better than we thought possible. And now we have shown that. So I showed it also with people in a controlled experiment in the university, showing that 12 people can uh, influence into their autonomic nervous system within a quarter of an hour, and uh, thus uh, bring down the influence of a bacteria uh, which was then injected, a controlled experiment, where people normally get sick for three to six hours. Now they had control, 100%, all the 12 of them, uh, 100%, uh, they had control over the bacteria within a quarter of an hour. Uh, I was... uh... I was telling listeners earlier, I was in the Pacific Northwest. I was in Grants Pass, Oregon, and I met a man there that I've interviewed on the radio before, Dr. Richard Allen Miller, uh, who worked with the um, SEALs Corporation before they were the Navy SEALs, uh, and he was uh, training uh, super soldiers. Uh, he had a, a background in in, uh, in in martial arts and, and Buddhism and so forth. And um, I'm, I'm thinking now, listening to your conversation and recalling our conversation a, a couple of weeks ago, that... Maybe he's sort of tapped into the same thing as, as you, and uh, we'll, we'll continue to, uh, to plumb the depths with Wim Hof, the Iceman, when The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, we'll take uh, questions and comments for Wim Hof uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour. The Iceman. 
and what he's capable of is uh, viewed by many as scientifically impossible. He is uh, able to withstand freezing temperatures and remains unaffected by extreme cold in numerous ways. He mentioned he holds a number of uh, world records. He uh, ran. Did you say you ran a marathon in the uh, in the um, Arctic Circle wearing just shorts? Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's a full I marathon. Did it, did it also in the in the desert. So that's control, yeah, that's con- temperature control on the body. So not only, I mean, you're known as the Iceman, but you can not only withstand extreme cold, but also extreme heat. Yes. And uh, more of those things, all the natural elements, uh, uh, like uh, oxygen deprivative situations, like Mount Everest or um, or uh, Kilimanjaro, you know, with uh, less air, uh, there's less than half the air, and uh, therein I'm very able to function as well in uh, and go in record times. And these. Up. These are, are not things that you were uh, uh, born with. These are not uh, natural abilities. In other words, you're, there's nothing unusual about your anatomy. These were all things that you simply learned to do, correct? It, it is correct, yes. Yeah. Anybody can learn it, by the way. And how long did it take you? I mean, you, you, this was done gradually. For example, with standing okay. cold. How long does it take you? Yes. How long does it take a person to decondition himself, him or herself, to, uh, uh, to, to get a hold of the, his or hers adaptive powers? Um, that's the question. Um, I, I, it, it depends on the intensity of the person. It depends on the uh, commitment and the awakening within the person. <clears throat> it's not... Uh, uh, but... Uh, what we have seen in the university, I took people in four days being able to go in shorts in four days up to minus 30 degrees for, uh, for a long time, like hours, ranging from minus 10 to minus 30 degrees Celsius in shorts for hours in, in the mountains. In that, four days. That's remarkable. And you said something very interesting, uh, Wim. You said, when I said, how long does it take? You said, well, how long does it take to decondition? In other words, it's not learning something new. It's almost like you were saying forgetting forgetting everything that we've learned and just sort of reconnecting with who we really are. Exactly. We have learned so many things. We have conditioned our bodies and our brains so much that it consumes all the energy, that, that it, consu- it takes away the direct uh, ability to adapt in, uh, in, in hard, say, hard nature, in the extremes. So what I learned people is to, uh, to, to tap in uh, the brain and the body in just a couple of days in a complete different way, actually, bring it back to its original uh, state, uh, uh, past the conditioning, uh, which is the original state of the DNA. And they have seen this, that we are influencing into, uh, directly into the DNA and, bear, uh, and make it more healthy, more strong, more, uh, 
we bring it back to, uh, as they say, the embryono state. You know, you, uh, you got this epigenetics. Epigenetics is what we all, what we have learned throughout the life, uh, throughout our lives. And now uh, th this has consequences on the DNA. And the DNA is controlling the cell. What, what is happening in the body and, uh, and, and uh, uh, yeah, di directing all the processes in our body. So if everything that we have learned is uh, then changing the working of the DNA, then of course you get a different way of directing uh, the, uh, the body. And uh, not, uh, 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 being not... Uh, not uh, being not uh, origin, uh, the original state in which we were born. And uh, 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 the way we live in this society is a lot of comfort zone behavior. Oh, yes, we're very soft. We're very soft. From uh, the wild, from the nature. Thus, uh, the, the, our DNA is uh, sort of weakened. Is to, uh, a lot accumulate uh, 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 a, a lot of chemical processes are uh, have accumulated a, a, a different working uh, within uh, the body, so uh, thus it becomes actually weaker. And what I learn people is to redirect that, and that is being done just in a couple of days. And then people become stronger. The people become more able to respond uh, more directly to heat, to cold, to uh, uh, oxygen deprivative states like uh, Mount Everest or, or, or any other stress impact on the body. We have shown in the hospital uh, all these persons lying on bed to produce more adrenaline while they were lying on bed, totally at ease, they were producing more adrenaline than somebody in fear going for his first bungee jump. That's blood comparison. And, right. uh, 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 and that, uh, that's control over the stress hormone. And the, co uh, the conscious control over the stress hormone makes you able to consciously go uh, in extreme situations because you got this adrenaline control. You got control over the hormonal uh, mechanisms inside. Thus, you are very, very uh, much better able to cope with uh, any stress on the body, any impact on the body. An impact on the body or danger uh, like cold is, heat is, but also disease is it, and grief, and any stress, daily stress, big stress on the body is danger. Now, with a better control over, uh, over the hormonal system, uh, better control over this adrenaline, we are able to use it anytime uh, when there is a case of danger. And, uh, uh, and we train and use the, uh, the impact of the cold. I do that control. 
But actually, I trained people to redirect the DNA to its original state. And I trained people uh, to learn to control the hormonal uh, mechanisms. Would that include the release of certain endorphins uh, for pain management? Yes. Yes. Endorphins, dopamines, melatonin, serotonin. For example, uh, jet lag. Uh, you're going to learn to control that because it's melatonin, serotonin, cycle of day and night. Uh, but happiness is also a hormone, dopamine, oxytocin, and all those uh, hormones you can learn to control uh, uh, because it's a part of the endocrine system. It's a part of learning consciously to tap into these deeper uh, mechanisms of ours uh, um, um, with which we, we were born. Does that because mean that... of this epigenetical uh, comfort zone behavior changes within our DNA, things got a little bit uh, 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 cut off. Uh, so does that mean that you are almost impervious to pain? We, do, we are doing studies right now to pain. And it shows that not only me, but also <coughs> I'm almost uh, impervious to pain, yes, because I'm able to control it. Um, the pain, uh, we are right now in a new studies, and it shows that all the people who are doing these techniques are able to tolerate much more pain signals, uh, much more electricity, uh, electricity charge exposed to the body by sensors uh, in the university, they, it showed. And it, uh, in August, it's going to be uh, published. Uh, it's a big time because many people live with chronic pains. And uh, we are doing right now this study how to deal with that because uh, the, uh, if you go into the cold, cold provokes or produces also pain. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, and it so does. You learn to uh, deal not only with the deeper mechanisms inside, but you learn also to uh, cope with the chemistry of a pain signal. And the, pa- uh, the chemistry of a pain signal is composed uh, by three proteins. proteins. And by breathing differently, uh, we are able to uh, influence into that chemistry. Thus, uh, bring up the pH level, pH level in the blood becoming more alkaline. And then the pain signal, the three proteins, they fall apart. So uh, uh, And then there is, it disentangles the three proteins, which is the composition of a pain signal. And then... Yeah, uh, pain is uh, controlled. Now, what about the, uh, for example, when you're uh, when you're exposed to extreme cold, uh, you can you can monitor you you can adapt your, um, you know, your endocrine system and so forth. But does that protect you your your exterior? For example, can you still suffer from from frostbite? Mm, yeah, uh, frostbite <coughs> actually. Uh, is is when the cell uh, gets underneath zero degrees Celsius, 
when uh, that happens, uh, uh, the cells uh, 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 will be uh, damaged irreparably. There is no, it's beyond repair. But if you influence with the right hormones inside your body, then you are able uh, to produce a hormone which doesn't let the temperature to go down. It, it protects the tissue of the cell uh, wherever it is exposed to a severe cold. So be, because of this hormone, it's like antifreeze in a car makes the car being able to keep on driving and uh, uh, because the liquid, the fluids keep on running because the, there is no molecular, uh, uh, molecular entanglement uh, it, it is being shut down by because of this chemistry, because of this hormone, and we have a we uh, if we are able to tap into this endocrine system in which we were talking, then we are able to produce a hormone which uh, uh, makes it uh, possible for the cell to survive uh, in freezing temperatures where people normally would. Uh, would uh, suffer from uh, frostbite, would suffer from uh, irreparable uh, damage to the cell because it went uh, down to uh, lower than zero. So <coughs> it is possible, but it needs the training once again. Well, it, you, you mentioned breathing, and, and uh, obviously, you know, learning to breathe properly is uh, an essential part, but that, that's not the be-all and end-all. Aside from, uh, well, tell me about the breathing uh, first, we'll, and we'll head into a break shortly, but let's begin this conversation. What is it about the breathing? I mean, how, how do you teach someone to breathe properly in order to withstand these incredible temperature extremes? Yes. Breathing is oxygen. Oxygen inside the body is changing and influencing the chemistry. So uh, the more you get into your body uh, by breathing, not only breathing, but it's also uh, being done consciously, if you do it consciously, uh, because you begin to breathe different, you do it consciously, then uh, altogether the, uh, the brain, the, the <clears throat> the neurotransmitters of the brain, together with uh, oxygen, extra oxygen, creates a, a quite a power uh, uh, being able to influence into the chemistry of the body in the depth. Uh, uh, and that is a simple fact now, that it is so. That's what so, they, is that what they call, uh, in, in yoga, they call that prana? Yes, uh, prana is one of the ten currents. In yoga, and uh, 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 I translate it into the nervous system. I bring it to the the, the the life force or the nervous system, and this nervous system, the autonomic nervous system, we are then able to co control and influence uh, these parts in the depth. <coughs> Thus, take over the autonomy over our body. Remarkable. Wim, listen, uh, I've got to take a time out. We'll come back. Are you good oh, to stay yeah. with us for a little bit? Sure. Excellent. We appreciate you being up so early. Uh, are you in the Netherlands tonight? 
Yeah, uh, tonight? Yes, I am. All right. Wim Hof is with us, the Iceman, who has the astonishing ability to withstand freezing temperatures, other temperature extremes, uh, oxygen deprivation, and much more. Wim Hof continues with us here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Wim Hof is the Iceman, able to withstand freezing temperatures. It remains unaffected by extreme cold, extreme heat, uh, extreme oxygen deprivation. Um, Wim, if you were to be submerged in, in, in the water to a certain depth where it, it might you know, cause uh, other... Uh, people, untrained individuals, uh, you know, to suffer from uh, compression or or the bends, as it's called. I mean, are you able to do that? Are you able to go to extreme depths in the water and and um, with withstand that pressure, that extreme weight? Oh yes, <coughs> yeah. The body is, uh, 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 and especially the the lungs and the oxygen. Once you go, they work like a. Uh, ability to be decompressed very, uh, very strongly because then the oxygen in the body they, it just begins to concentrate. Um, the body has this ability as well as be. If if I'm able to uh, to function well on Mount Everest and fu- uh, function well with uh, with less the oxygen, uh, less than half the oxygen. Then I'm also able to uh, that that's impact on the body. It's it's like a vacuum, and uh, uh, when you go deep into the water, then you get uh, the reverse uh, side of this effect. Uh, uh, the body is very able to adapt to both to uh, uh, to this vacuum uh, uh, state of uh, of thin air than uh, as uh, of uh, uh, being able to cope with big pressure, yes, the body is able to. So uh, when you once again train and decondition the body, bring it back to its natural abilities, then you are able to do so much more. And in this case, uh, to take on uh, m- much more um, um, consciously, and it's done, being done consciously because the people are different from animals. We do things conscious. So uh, by using the breathing consciously, uh, we are able to uh, withstand much more uh, pressure on our body than non-trained people like, so to speak, non-trained people. Right. What's happening with your brain waves? <laughs> uh, are you in a, in a meditative state when you're doing this? Are your, are your brain waves you know, going into, I don't know, is it uh, theta or, or what, 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 what's happening yeah, with yeah, your brain? Yeah. They saw all kinds of things happening also in the university where regarding to related to the the brain waves. 
they saw, for example, alpha and beta rhythms going away completely. And they saw an appearance of gamma uh, uh, radiation, which means uh, that all the brain is working together. Uh, they saw things like that. Your uh, brain was emitting so, gamma uh, radiation? Uh, yes. And do I call it meditation? No, I don't call it meditation. I call it uh, the way we naturally are. And uh, that's when the connection between uh, body and brain is functioning uh, at a deeper level. And once again, anybody can do that. And we should not mystify too much about that, about, you know, being meditative, etc. Uh, do life is a mystery, and uh, I say try to get always uh, as much uh, as possible out of life, because we live uh, we live in shallowness most of the time, and uh, there is so much more within the body and the brain uh, possible, and uh, uh, just step in and uh, go for it, because it's a shame if you not live your life the way nature meant it to be, yeah, because na nature is beautiful. Uh, that, uh, once you learn more into the depth of the body and brain, then everything becomes meditation. Everything becomes more profound, and uh, it's very natural to feel that. But because of this comfort zone behavior and the way we were taught into a system and to take part and to be functioning therein, which is actually not natural. You, you see all the system. You see what it does. You see so much uh, technique and, 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 and uh, infrastructures and developments and governments and behavior and morals and ethics, but still there is a war everywhere. There is disease everywhere. There is depression everywhere. I don't think that is development. I don't think that serves humanity. We have to learn to go back to the way nature meant us to be. And uh, uh, our nature within is the ability to control happiness, strength, and health. Well, you mentioned um, um, uh, the endocrine system and certain hormones, dopamine, serotonin. Um, you could, I would then presume, if someone, uh, for example, who has Parkinson's disease, which has something to do with, with uh, dopamine, uh, could you take a, a Parkinson's patient and help them to release more, uh, I believe it's a, it's a lack of dopamine, I may be I'm wrong about this, but could you, could you help them to regulate their dopamine levels and therefore control their symptoms? Yes, I do that already. I work with people with Parkinson or any disease. Uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, um, it is happening. Uh, they learn, uh, in, instead of, uh, it's a progressive disease. So with maximum of uh, uh, medicine intake, they still deteriorate in their um, uh, condition. And we, we make things a reverse. That it is remarkable, and it it, it 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 takes a person's motivation and uh, participation to do that. Of course, it's not a pill what we do; it's just learning to tap into the deeper levels of the endocrine system, 
and thus being able to access into the dopamine levels. That's a logical step, and it, it takes the person's participation and motivation to get, uh, and breathing exercises to get into these systems. But then progress is, uh, is there. Wim Hof, well, he's much more than just the Iceman. We will uh, continue this conversation when The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Wim Hof is internationally renowned for his countless ice endeavors that range from being up to his neck in a cylinder filled with ice uh, for over 90 minutes, swimming long distances under polar ice, running a marathon barefoot, to climbing the Everest uh, to climbing Mount Everest in nothing more than a pair of shorts. It gained him worldwide fame and his nickname, the Iceman. He's shown what the human body is capable of once you find the flow within your physical and mental state. Right now, he especially sees his new challenge in passing on his method to others to give everyone the opportunity to reach out and do more than what they thought they were capable of. Through the right training and exercises, he says you can strengthen your inner nature and prevent disease. Let me give you the website. It's www.icemanwimhoff.com. Dot com, IcemanWimHoff.com. Uh, tell me about the Wim Hof Academy, Wim. <clears throat> yeah, there's a, a new international course we have started up, and uh, uh, we are doing that already here in the, in the Netherlands and train people to become an instructor. Right now we are in the, in the uh, regular school system, and it goes up to being um, becoming bachelor uh, with uh, physiology and uh, the techniques. It's uh, like a therapeutic uh, course, uh, becoming a, in a full instructor uh, in, in this. Uh, yeah, the name is Wim Hof Method. Uh, the Wim Hof Method, uh, because it has been proven and endorsed scientifically, we can call it that way. And uh, yeah, a lot of physicians and uh, therapists in the here in the Netherlands they use it in their practices, and it's being used in the hospitals. So <clears throat> now we made it into an international course, and this international course makes people able to uh, access in the, in, into this uh, training and course and become a, a instructor wherever they live in the, in the world. Uh, very soon we do it in uh, in, uh, in May. We got a big course in uh, uh, in uh, the LA, 
but it could be in Canada as well, of course, uh, or uh, in Australia in June. Uh, it's beginning to spread out, and that is because it shows scientifically to be true. So actually, it is universal, and uh, and uh, the course is all about uh, learning how to uh, you personally how to tap into the deeper layers of your physiology and, uh, and, and enhance it with physiological backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, uh, 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 the, the physiology, uh, data, uh, research, uh, why and how does the body work on cell level, in the DNA, in the endocrine systems, the vascular systems, etc. All that is... Uh, is a sort of a booklet, and people have to get to known into these uh, matters. And then, uh, after three quarters of a year, they graduate after having implemented all the techniques and the uh, and the physiology, and learning how to pass it over to people. So uh, that makes people able to pass on these techniques to others and uh, making others able to tap into their physiological uh, right. depth. I'm looking at a picture so of you on the website, course. Wim. You, you're, you're quite the physical specimen, uh, but does a person have to be in top physical condition in order to master their auto, autonomic nervous system? No, absolutely not. What, we need, what I need, what we need in the course is motivation and participation. That it is. And if I'm able to train people in four days to get into their autonomic nervous system, then actually it is shown that it's not about training. It's, a, it's, a, it's just going back and awakening the original, uh, deeper existence, physiological depth of the person. And it's already there. We just learn to tap in. And it doesn't matter where uh, somebody is or what kind of condition he or she has. Uh, we get into that. Uh, we get through. We, get, uh, we awaken simply the, uh, w- uh, the existing physiological depth. And, uh, yeah, I say we do uh, just this weekend I, here at the center, we have 30 or uh, 35 new upcoming instructors and they are ranging from 22 years to 75 years and you know what they are all able to do it remarkable and and, and, and it doesn't matter a man women and some with a disease yes or no it doesn't matter and uh, they they get into it and they become better uh, everybody becomes like nature it's meant it to be. I mentioned uh, I mentioned Dr. Richard Allen Miller, and I'm not sure if you if you're familiar with uh, uh, Rick Miller. He, he wrote a book called Power Tools for the 21st Century, and he talks about training super soldiers. Uh, and 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 much of what you're saying sounds very familiar from my conversations with 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 Rick. Uh, I'm wondering though if if you have been approached by the military who would love to, to you know to be able to train their their soldiers to do this and 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 how you would feel about working with the military to me anybody is a human and 
uh, if I, I I had some approach of uh, West Point and uh, of um, uh, the special forces, the elite of uh, America. Um, uh, but uh, I, I, I'm okay. I, very soon I have a, a workshop with the defense ministry here in the Netherlands. For example, I don't care. Everybody is. My point of view of uh, I, I go for peace always. But uh, if I learn military to tap into their physiological depth more, then they will have more control in extreme uh, uh, situations, uh, such as war. War is an extreme situation. It causes stress. And then the the ability to shoot yes or no, then is being influenced because of this stressful uh, situation. The, uh, if I make people more uh, capable to control their stress uh, hormone uh, levels, and that means the impact of uh, uh, say war and uh, uh, these situations, then they are able to distinguish better. They don't shoot out of. Uh, bang, 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 bang. Uh, 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 no, they uh, learn to distinguish even in very uh, extreme conditions. So uh, uh, it is also good for them. Uh, I'm guessing uh, you've had mainly, some. I'm, mainly, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm working with uh, people who uh, to to fight disease and right. to fight uh, depression. That's uh, that's my uh, you know to take away suffering. That's what we were. Absolutely. Has, has yes. is this does this ability also extend to um, altering perception of time? Your and altering your consciousness to alter the perception of time. In other words, we often see, you know, martial artists being able to react to certain situations as if they are able to slow things down in their mind. Is that is that part yes. of it? I got you. Yes, I train the best of the world also in fighting. Huh? For example, one of my pupils is Alistair Overeem. He's a he's a big fighter. He's a, he's going for we go for the world title now. He's a, I train him. I train more people like that. You know, all these free fighters. They come to me here in the Netherlands. And uh, yes, you learn people to slow down the time and to improve the nervous system while being in a fight uh, to be invulnerable you know where the the flow in the in the nervous system uh, uh, opponent knows fields where there is weak weakness that's where he is going to hit he looks for an opening but i learn people to have a constant strong flow in the nervous system thus they have no weak point. That's what I do. And uh, I make people, uh, these fighters, I make them more tranquil. tranquil. I, learned, uh, I, I, I teach them, I learn them to have a better control over uh, uh, over the impact, the tensions, uh, the, uh, um, uh, over the nervous system, in, which is divided in two. You got the parasympathetic nervous system and the orthosympathetic nervous system. Parasympathetic nervous system is peace. And uh, orthosympathetic nervous system is full action. I learned to disentangle uh, and uh, have uh, the conscious control over these 
two uh, parts of the nervous system. Uh, that's what I teach these people uh, to have more control inside. But what about so in terms are... of altering, uh, uh, um, altering the sense of time? And if you're able to do that, what does that, what does that tell us about what time is? Uh, yeah, time is just a part of the brain being uh, um, t- t- taken in uh, a, d- a definition of time. And if you do it like 10 times, like the yeah, and times, uh, then a thing becomes conditioned, a second nature. You can slow so things it, down. You can slow things down, an action. Yes. Uh, and, uh, 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 and once you have control over that part of the brain, the conditioning of that part, then you are able to get out of it. And you become uh, timeless. You, you become complete uh, out of this time, which is connected to the sympathetic nervous system, which is action. Time, 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 deadline, deadline, go, go, go. <clears throat> it's a, just a part of the brain. If you, um, uh, it's sometimes difficult for us beings in the West to, uh, to disentangle uh, ourselves from this part of the brain, going into in another part of the brain where there is no time perception. Amazing. That, I would think that there uh, would be applications for for uh, astronauts as we as we're on the cusp of of colonizing Mars uh, and having to place astronauts in in a in a suspended animation and so forth. I'm thinking that that you could really work with with uh, the European Space Agency and NASA. Yes. Why not? Uh, 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 what we do is simply making use of all the parts of the brain, and we have shown to get to be able to get into the deepest parts of the brain where normally we could not uh, access, consciously uh, not being able to access into. Right now, yes. Very soon I have uh, MRI uh, uh, research wherein uh, I will show by MRI and spectrographics uh, to show uh, that I'm able to go uh, about in any part of the brain. Consciously. Amazing. Listen, uh, Wim, I, uh, we are out of time. I wish we had longer. It's been a, a delightful conversation, and I enjoyed meeting you very much. Thank you for this. Right on. You have a good show, man. And listen, conspiracy and everything, we should change the world and get into the full depth of ours, which is happiness, strength, and health. That's ours. Let's go for it. Thank you. Uh, thank you. The Iceman, Wim Hof. IcemanWimHof.com. My thanks to Ian Robertson, Albert Vinzel, John Franz. Back next week with a brand new program, including the remote viewer, Douglas James Cottrell, and Hunting the Nazarene, The Second Resurrection of Christ with John Kerner. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.